A reading of Iqbal, chapter 3. That same night, as soon as the master had turned out the lights and we felt sure that he was asleep, little Ali went to guard the door while a few of us crept along to meet the new boy. Karim came, too. Although he could never forget his responsibilities as overseer, his curiosity had gotten the best of him. Salman, a boy of ten who seemed older because he was so hard and tough, came too. The skin of his face and hands was pitted by three years' work in a brick factory near Karachi. Maria also wanted to meet the new boy. She was a little girl, younger than me and tiny as a bird. She had arrived at the beginning of winter, but nobody had yet heard her say a word. We didn't know if she was a mute. We gave her her name. She had learned it immediately. She slept curled up like a small animal near her loom, and she followed me everywhere like a shadow. Iqbal was awake. We could hear his chain rattle in the darkness. You could never sleep the first night in a new place. You felt lonely, and you wanted to talk. All of us understood that. Most of us had had two or three masters, some even more. So we settled down near him. It was a moonless night, and we could barely see. Be careful, Ali, we said. The master had gotten very angry when he'd last caught us awake at night. He said that it always made us stupid and slow the next day. Ali answered with a series of short whistles that meant coast clear. We whispered some questions and waited to hear Iqbal's story. Iqbal began. My father used to go out early in the morning, when the first rays of sun appeared, and harness our buffalo to the light plough. At that hour, even in summer, the air was still fresh and pleasant. All around we could see the cultivated fields and the other peasants starting the day in the same way. I'd go with him, carrying the bottle of water and the vegetables my mother had fixed for him. At first my father would work easily, and his thin arms wouldn't seem to feel the effort. But after a couple of hours, he'd have, he'd have to slow down. The earth was like stone. The sweat ran down his face and chest. The red dust covered his hair. The plow didn't dig like before, and even the buffalo lowed from the heat. Between midday and three, the sun beat down mercilessly, and it was too hot to work. The boundaries of our world seemed to disappear in the haze, so we lay in the shade of a tree, eating and drinking water, while the buffalo twitched his tail nervously to keep the insects away. This is a blessed land, my father would say. It's good and fertile, well irrigated. Look how everything grows. All you have to do is throw down a seed, and by the grace of God, a family could live forever in abundance. Remember that, Iqbal. Yes, father, I would answer. But there was never an abundance in our house. There was never enough food on my older brother, and my older brother was often ill. Once I asked my father why this was. Why were all the wheat and the oats and the vegetables that we cultivated loaded onto the carts the same day they were picked? Why in our hut was there only a snack of broken grain and other of dried chickpeas next to the fireplace? "'Because all this belongs to the master,' my father had replied. "'And that's right?' "'He's the master,' said my father. "'Who are we?' "'My father always said the same thing,' interrupted Salman. 
but then he also said that the master was greedy and evil. In the privacy of our home, he would curse the master terribly. My mother would shiver and beg him, Stop, please, if he ever heard you. She was convinced that the master had a thousand eyes and ears. Women, Salman concluded, they don't understand anything. I'd like to tell Salman what I thought. Maybe, in his opinion, we girls were stupid and useless. But I know I worked as hard as he did, some days even more. Still, I held my peace because Salman was difficult. He was a rebel. He had been down in the tomb once for two days, and when he emerged parched from the heat and stung by the scorpions, he just spat on the dirt. To him, nothing was as bad as working at the brick kiln. But he had always refused to tell us what brick-making was like. I couldn't even begin to imagine it, but I prayed that the master would never sell me to the owner of a brick factory. It's wrong to curse our masters, declared Karim. What would we do without Hussein Khan? He's the one who feeds us and protects us. He lets us work so that we can pay off our family's debt. Yeah, jeered Salman, and he's the one who will kick you out one of these days when you're no longer any use to him. You'll end up hungry and alone, wandering in the streets. That's not so, protested Karim. The master knows that I'm loyal and he needs me. Right, to spy on us. I thought they were going to start fighting right there in the dark. Salman was right. Karim was always ready to tell Hussein Khan everything that happened in the workshop. But then sometimes it seemed that Karim was on our side. I couldn't understand it. My father's a good man, continued Iqbal. He's never cursed anyone. He's always accepted his destiny. Even when my brother got worse and coughed all night, every night, my father didn't curse anyone. He called the doctor from the village, and the doctor came with his bag and his glasses. He bent down over the bed and used an instrument to listen to the inside of my brother. First inside his chest, then inside his back, and he shook his head. I know, said Karim. I've seen it done, too. Then he talked to my father, took his hat and the bamboo cane, and left. My mother was crying. She had already lost other children. The next morning, while we were harnessing the buffalo to the plow, my father told me that the doctor would return with medicine that might save my brother. And the doctor did return, and there was another man with him, well-dressed, a merchant or landowner, and he spoke to my father, too. At a certain point, he pulled some money out of a belt, and he had round that a belt he had round his waist, and showed it to my father, who only said no. And what happened to your brother? I asked. He didn't get better. My father didn't have anyone who could help him in the fields. I was too young and weak then. He talked to my mother for a long time. Then he rode the buffalo to the village. He came back when it was getting on towards the evening and went out to hoe the fields without even changing his clothes. And when it got dark, he came in, breathing heavily. He didn't even eat dinner, but called me over and told me that a man would lend him a large sum of money. Twenty-six dollars, he said. I tried to figure it out in rupees, but couldn't. With that money, the family would be able to survive until the next harvest, and my brother would receive more medicine and, God willing, get well. He said I would have to work to help the family pay off the debt, and we wouldn't meet for many months. 
but I would learn how to make carpets, and this might help me in life. My father had debt, too, I whispered in the dark. After the embankment broke and he lost everything, a man came to talk to him, and then Hussein came and brought me here. Iqbal continued, My father said that he could send one of my sisters, but I said, No, send me. He hugged me and asked if I was afraid. No, I said, but I was lying. The carpet maker came the next morning. He came by car and was very nice, even to my mother. I'm taking you to the city, he said. You'll like it. Just wait and see. I looked through the rear window of the car, and the last thing I saw while he took me away was my father wiping the, whipping the poor buffalo, pushing it through the field. You should have heard the poor beast lowing. Oh, well, said Karim, it won't take you long to pay off your father's debt. I know, I've seen a lot. Nobody works as fast or as well as you do. You'll erase those lines on, that, on the slate like the sun erases the snow on the mountains. In the dark, Iqbal's teeth flashed briefly as if he had smiled. The debt is never erased, he said softly. It doesn't matter how good you are. You're crazy, said Salman. You're saying those things because you're mean. You're trying to frighten us. Every day the master erases a line, and once he's finished, we'll go home. It was like that with the bricks, too. Believe me. We had to make a thousand bricks a day, and we got one hundred rupees for every thousand. All my family worked there, even my sister. And did you cancel your debt? asked Iqbal. No, grunted Salman. But what does that mean? Some days it was too rainy. Sometimes the clay was too sandy. Sometimes the bricks broke when they came out of the kiln, and then just bad luck. Have you ever seen anyone pay off their debt? asked the new boy. In the dark I could feel Maria hugging herself close to me. Who knew if she could hear and understand what we were saying? I understood too well, and it annoyed me that that boy, the newcomer, dared to say such things. I wanted to scream, You're wrong! You liar! But even though I barely knew him, he didn't seem like that kind of person. No, we all said after the other, no, we've never seen anyone pay off their debt. Salman tried to get a word in, and yet Ali, who was guarding the door, let out two shrill whistles, the alarm. We all crept quickly back to our beds. I tried to fall asleep but couldn't. I kept turning this way and that. After a while, I crawled back over the dusty dirt floor. The new boy, Iqbal, was still awake, too. I spoke in his ear so the others wouldn't hear me. What do you mean, I asked, by saying we'll never get away from here? We'll never go home? Who are you, he asked. My name is Fatima. There was silence for a few seconds. Can you keep a secret, Fatima, he whispered. Of course I can. What do you take me for? Then I can tell you, he said, lowering his voice even more. We'll get away from here. You can bet on it. You said it was impossible to pay off the debt. It is, but that's not how we'll go. How, then? I'm beginning to think that the master was right to call you a know-it-all. We'll run away. That's what we'll do.
You're crazy. I'm not. We'll run away. You'll come with me. I didn't know him. He could have been just a bragger, or maybe even truly crazy, but I still believed him. I went back to my bed and spent the night turning restlessly. End of chapter 3